This podcast is funded by Ted Dintersmith, the executive producer of the acclaimed film Most Likely to Succeed, and the author of the best-selling book What School Could Be. I'm Josh Rapoon, and this is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. I want to start by thanking all you listeners out there. You have downloaded this podcast over 15,000 times, a wonderful mark of success. We promise to keep bringing you ideas and stories from imaginative and innovative educators and education leaders engaging students in the joy of learning across the Hawaiian Islands. In the last episode, I talked with Danielle Mizuta, an instructor at Leeward Community College with a long, long history in public education, mentoring fellow educators, and working with students with autism and special needs. My guest today is Matthew Williams, our Hawaii State Department of Education 2019 Teacher of the Year, a national award coordinated through the Council of Chief State School Officers. Matthew has a degree in business administration and web design from Walla Walla University in Washington and a master's in educational leadership from Chaminade University here in Honolulu. He is a Hope Street Group Hawaii Teacher Fellow and a Global Teacher Fellow for Teachers for Global Education. On Hawaii Island in Kona, Matthew co-designed the Alumni Mentors Program for Teach for America Hawaii to promote increased community engagement and build models of sustainable leadership within schools. He also taught special education, which means he collaborated with co-teachers and paraprofessionals to differentiate instruction for 40 students. Perhaps most importantly, Matthew is a digital education teacher and mentor coach for the Hawk Media Productions program at Kealakehe Intermediate School. His impact on kids over the past decade is simply staggering. This is a particularly wonderful interview for me because last season, Matthew's Hawk Media students, May Kanata and Marlon Utrera, chief among them, did all the post-production, editing, and voiceovers for our podcast series. And now, here's my conversation with Matthew Williams. Matthew Williams, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Really um, excited to be here. Yeah, you know I'm just so excited to do this interview with you. We've known each other for quite a while, so this is a pretty sparky moment for me. Um, So, Matthew, our format is 10 questions, but today let's add another layer to the format um, by making these 10 questions about what you care about about what you are passionate about, what puts jet fuel in your tank and what gets you reaching for the espresso roast in the morning. So, you know, Mm. one, one wise school leader told me, Matthew, where we spend our time reflects our values. So let's spend our time on what you value and what you care deeply about. That's how I've crafted these questions as we go forward, okay? So let's do question number one. So clearly you are passionate about Na Ho'opena Ao, our HA protocol. 
our, our Hawaii Board of Education describes HA this way. HA is a framework of outcomes that reflect the Department of Education's core values and beliefs in action throughout the public education system of Hawaii. So describe what HA means to you and how you have integrated it into your work with students and, and why it ranks so high on your values meter. Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Um, you know, when, when HA first came out, um, it really resonated with me just because of how much it was focused on who we are as people as human beings and um, being born and raised on Kauai um, my family was very close and I was I was raised on um, making sure that you know character is number one having integrity and and treating people right um, it was big especially for my dad and it, it's always this tricky thing when in public school education of like figuring out how are you going to teach character education, um, especially teaching it in a place like Hawaii, where um, it's so unique in the sense of its culture and identity and and place. And so HA for me was just this um, moment for me to say, wow, this is it. Like, this is where I can focus on me as an individual and this idea of strengthening myself um, with the idea of um, making the world a better place. And what I love, again, that language, the intentional language about strengthening, um, it really elevates this idea that it's not about other people, but again, like my, where I am in each of the six strands of belonging, responsibility, excellence, aloha, total well-being in Hawaii. And if every day I can strengthen those elements, um, then I can have confidence that my best self will be enough for me, for my students, and those I lead um, for, for this community. And again, it all being placed on Hawaii and starting with place and recognizing where we are and bringing out the unique um, cultural aspects of what makes um, Hawaii so special. Um, from diversity, right, to um, the the people, to the language, um, again, to the culture. So yeah, that's that's kind of been where my focus has been, and and how I've strengthened it and and brought it into my classroom is as a digital media teacher. <clears throat> Hawaii is so, um, and just indigenous cultures, just in general, are just so tied to story, right? Mm -hmm. And right, and if we can if I can have the students learn first about who they are and what does Hawaii mean to them and how does it connect to their own identities, regardless of if they are from here or not. Um, and then just continue to flip that lens around and tell the story of other people, right? And, and what are they strengthening, right? And, and how are they highlighting belonging and all these other different types of um, tenants within HA? Um, I think that's that's education. That, that's the heart of education right there. And so, yeah, it's just been a foundational principle mm. um, for myself and, and again, the, the projects that I choose to uh, mm. collaborate on. 
So clearly the state of Hawaii is really invested in this HA framework, Matthew. And I'm, I'm curious about your, your thoughts on, we must have been someplace and then we felt like we needed HA. And so we, we put it together and it was a quite an effort over a number of years. And now we have it. Like, where were we before and what is it that HA brings that puts us in a different place now? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, so um, this is my ninth year in teaching, right? And and so I can only talk maybe about um, what I've experienced and what I've seen. But prior to HA, we had the GLOs, right? The general learner outcomes. Right. Um, and and those were great. And and I still think they're, they're awesome. But what I think it maybe was missing or lacking was it was so it was so student focused right and it and it missed the opportunity of um before i can um bring my best self or or inspire that in other people i need to be held accountable to that oh, right and, and so we're mm-hmm. so quick to just like hey students this is this is what you got to do but mm-hmm. like where is the accountability for for self for for the teachers for for our leaders for the community right and so for me how is that moment of like wait this is systems thinking this is systems learning this is systems change mm-hmm. um and doing it in a in a in a way that's um culturally responsive which i think is is super important um and then also recognizing that this to me was the branch to like um, create those community partnerships. This is the language that the community knows and understands and feels and wants um, mm. for for students. And so I don't I don't go in and, and say, hey, uh, I'm going to start this project and it's going to be about like different angles and how to edit, but more like, hey, I, I'm I'm wanting to partner with you because I'm trying to work on strengthening my students' sense of excellence, right? Mm. And they get that, right? It's just, it's just like it's a no-brainer to them, right? And then that's where I come in and then tie in all the, the other standards and skills, right? Um, and so I guess that, that's been that major um, element that was maybe missing or, or that, again, back to, back to that word of strengthening. So I think the department's done well and, and continue to move us in that systems-wide thinking for what's best for, for everyone. Right. And and you've written and talked about um, the idea that relationships are really at the core of everything. Um, and it, so it sounds like the HA framework puts in place a, a protocol process for building relationships with people that seems to shift the focus away from, as you noted a minute ago, you know, just on what is student achievement and more towards how are we going to move together as a community? Is that a, is that a fair way of looking at it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's too many times where, you know, we're just quick to point out like what others, um, or what, what Mm. we're, what's missing, what resources we're lacking. But I think it really, again, puts that mirror in front of us and say, wait, like Mm. what, what's my ha, you know, like what, what does that look like? You know, and, and different days it's going to be better and other days it's maybe not going to be our best, but again, it's like, we're just continually getting better together. Mm -hmm. And I think if we bring our best self every day, no matter what level that is, um, I'm confident that, um, we will be enough and it will be our best so that we can continue to deliver the right opportunities and experiences, um, Mm -hmm. for students. 
Yeah, that's awesome, Matthew. And and if any of our listeners are not familiar with the HA framework, all they have to do is just Google the Naho Benao or HA framework, and there's quite a bit has been written about that. Um, and really, it, it doesn't have to be a public school thing. It can be a framework thing for everybody. Public, private, and charter, the values that are inherent in there are, are very universal. Um, so that's that's fantastic. So, Matthew, you you clearly care about, and you've already alluded to this, and you're passionate about collaboration. So I want to ask you about one collaborative effort in particular. Um, back in 2019, last year, you collaborated with Kamehameha Schools and Arizona State University on a virtual field trip to uh, a Makala Vena. Uh, sorry, Makala Vena. Am I saying that correct? Yep. Yeah. Makalavena. Makalavena, mm-hmm. right, in North Kona, yeah. which gives students everywhere a, a whole new way of immersing themselves into one of Hawaii's, you know, very special places. So tell us about how this collaboration came about and, and what it means in terms of student engagement. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, centered around Ha and, and recognizing and figuring out how do we use place um, to be the true teacher or, or the foundation of how our students learn and, and how it connects us. And so um, through, you know, just building relationships and Auntie Milani Degir, she she was a, a main um, connector in, in bringing it all together. And Uncle um, Kaimana, we, uh, we started with just thinking about like, how, how can we get the students to, um, you know, use technology in, in a responsible way, in a way that causes um, people to think and act and feel differently. And why not use place? And recognizing that our students, um, due to a variety of reasons, um, can't access certain um, areas. And in particular, this area, uh, just because of it's hard to get to, should that be a reason why um, it not be accessible. There's still so many ways that students can learn. And so um, we, you know, through through other projects, but then this one was just continuing to just deepen itself. I think too oftentimes we, we work with community partners and it's just like, oh, that was nice. And then it's like one and done and we're gone, right? right. But I think Kamehameha Schools is like a perfect example of um, other projects. And I, I was working with Bill Chan on, um, we, we did another project with them and ASU and um, we took our students. And so this one was just, again, continuing to deepen that um, level of collaboration and and uh, took a small group of kids down there and um, they got to uh, be on, be like on set and, and they got to like um, hear the, the mo'olelos or stories of that place and just be immersed in it. And then um, ASU was uh, then able to document it and, and they, they did a lot of the heavier lifting on, on the technical side and then it got um, released. Um, and then students, the kids just piloted and, and were able to give feedback um, which I think was cool and see their changes um, updated and added to it. Um, and, and especially now, I, I know that some teachers and students have continued to use it. And so that's that's really, to me, what it's all about, right? Like create, creating mm. student work, um, but then most importantly, it's shared authentically um, and then it can be used by others. Knowledge kept to oneself is never, you know, impactful. But when you can share knowledge, that's truly where impact is made. 
Can you describe a little bit, Matthew, about how the connections were made and the relationships were built with Kamehameha Schools and ASU? And just kind of keeping in mind that the people listening to this podcast might be, you know, interested or curious about like, how can I do something like this? Like, how do I start a, a relationship with two seemingly very large institutions like that? What were the first steps that you took? Yeah. Ooh, I gotta think back again, all those different things. Um, I think if I were to just like, look at it from like a, like a real broad and like the formula, it's just, it's coming in with curiosity, knowing that Mm. you have, like, I knew as a digital media teacher, I, I have various equipments, right. But again, I don't just want to create projects that, um, are just done for myself. Right. So I know I need, I think teachers have two main responsibilities, like, it's pretty simple, like get them resources and connect them to people. Right. And so I was at that place where I was like, all right, um, these kids know how to do the basics in the classroom. Now, like if we're looking at like Han, what, what does that mean? Like, how are we going to take them out and, and really help them strengthen their sense of Hawaii? Hmm. And so it was about, you know, just saying, oh, like, yeah, I remember, you know, Auntie Milani and I were talking about like creating a collaboration project. And, and so I reached out to her, she reached out to me. And then, you know, it just, it started to just kind of blossom on just like, um, yeah, we got this, this project on with ASU and and they're creating this um, virtual, virtual experience. And, um, you know, would your, would your students be interested in helping to collaborate on that? You know, and, and I mean, right there, it's just like, I'm always a, a yes guy when it comes to to collaborations, and and the reason is is because one again it's that authentic audience, and two is it going to be student centered um, and have them really um, immersed in the process, and if mm. it meets those things, then it's like yeah let's do it, and and we'll figure out those details. And so it was just you know throughout the year, I think we started early fall, um, and then we just kept on working, and we had a visit out there and. Um, a couple of their partners um, came out. Um, Alice was one of them from um, Kamehameha Schools. And, and then, yeah, we just kept on going back and forth. And, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I think you and I have talked about in the past, this, this is really inspiring for me. I, I've, I've, and then I think I've talked about this on, on this series, on this podcast and other episodes, but I think, Matthew, it felt like, you know, I, I was getting my master's in 1999 and, and, I feel like there was a period of time there we went we went through something that I used to call like the era of the three ring binder where a community organization would put together some kind of a project or a plan and then they would come with the three ring binder and hand it to the school and say you know you you guys should do this and immediately it would go up on the shelf and it feels like now that era is over and all over the state we have people just reaching out to each other and exploring ideas coming from curiosity as you said does that does that feel like I'm I'm on the mark about that? Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. I think um it starts with curiosity, it starts with willingness, and then it starts with a level also of just like vulnerability. You mm. know, I, I think especially with community partners, um, we all know that it's that it's a good thing, right? For kids to yeah, we do. um understand their sense of place and and who they are and and what that means to be a contribute a community contributor but i think what sometimes we're afraid of um and it works both ways is like we're afraid of um explicitly or or figuring out how what that looks like you know 
And I think we sometimes get too caught up in the details instead of first mm. imagining, like, what is the outcome we want, right? And how can we be intentional about our conversations, our actions, our structures, our resources, mm. so that those outcomes can be met? And if we deviate from those outcomes, um, or excuse me, if we deviate from the plan to reach those outcomes, that's okay. Yeah. But I think as long as we're um, staying fast and true to what it is that we want to see at the end, um, I think it becomes, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful journey. Mm. And, and I think it, but it takes that vulnerability of just like, Hey, we may not know all those details yet, but like, let's just, let's just figure it out and let's figure it out with, let's figure it out with our students. You yeah. know, I think they hold more solutions than we, than we often think. Mm. Yeah. You just answered a follow-up question I was going to ask, which is about, you know, what defines a really successful ed tech program or an ed tech project and that, that you just hit the nail on the head on that. Um, and very much that the students would be part of the conversation about how it's designed and what its outcomes uh, are, its desired outcomes are. So, so Matthew, another thing that you, another idea you value greatly is the, the way well-designed spaces impact learning. And I want to talk about a project you worked on redesigning a library space at Kealakehe Intermediate where you teach. Um, so I want to, let's do this by asking the essential question that you posed to your audience when you presented a slide deck on this project. So you asked in the slide deck, how can our current library be redesigned to nurture curiosity, strengthen belonging, and create student agency? So let's say I am a curious and energized education leader at a middle school on the west side of Oahu, and I'm sitting in your audience when you were presenting this slide deck. So what do you want me to take away from your presentation? Like how, how what are the takeaways that you want me to have? Like, what do you want me to think about as I walk out after this presentation? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's about feeling. And experience. And so if I were to, what I want you to take away is like, did I help you feel curiosity? Did I help you feel belonging? Did I help you feel agency? And, you know, the, that original idea of like remaking, um, whether it's a library or any type of space, um, I don't know if you're familiar with WeWork. But yes, when much. I was in, yeah, when I was in New York City a few years back, um, unfortunately, they're not doing so well. Um, yeah. as a company, but when you look at like their, their culture and, and what they, um, value and building that community, I was like, wow, like this is, this is what education should be like. If like corporate world is like this, why can't we teach and have students be immersed in that same type of culture? And, um, I had this sticker and it always said like, do what you love, you know, mm. and, and that was, we works like, you know, like mantra. Right. And, and, and then you look at like, um, you familiar Apple, Apple yes. store mm -hmm. and I, I'm not an Apple guy. I mean, I have the, the computer, but I don't, I'm an Android cell phone guy, like, and Google through and through. But when I walk by an Apple store, I want to go in there. Why is that? Well, Cause like they have everything like set out, right. And I can touch it and I can like play around with it. Oh, and they have the experts there. So I can go up if I have a question and just talk to anybody, you mm -hmm. know, the, the lights are just right. The, the spacing is just right. You know, the colors and, and, and the friendliness of people, right. That all matters. Um, 
And again, it, learning doesn't happen without belonging, right? And so I knew that um, when I was um, wanting to embark on that challenge of um, redesigning our library space, I said, wait, before I get into like the things that I want kids to believe in and learn, I first have to make sure that they can belong. And so what does that look like? And, and again, thinking about like an Apple kind of experience, or if you tell a friend, Hey, let's go for coffee. Mm. It's not to get coffee that you're necessarily wanting, right? It's about, you're going to a place where it's going to create this feeling, this intimacy of like, I'm going to listen to you connect with you. Right. I'm going to ask you questions. You're going to listen to me and you're going to ask me questions. Right. Mm. And then like, we're going to do something together from that experience, you know? Um, and so that's kind of what I just like wanted to strip down all that stuff that we kind of try to put onto learning and just really get to just like what's most important as human beings, if we're going to learn regardless of whether it's students, but even as colleagues, as community partners. Mm. And so, yeah, that, I think that'd be probably like a big piece of what I'd want people to take away. So if I'm this education leader, uh, you know, at this middle school out on the west side of Oahu, and I'm I'm interested in environment and 21st century spaces. And so, you know, and you and I are chatting after the presentation, like, what are some, what are some first steps that I can take to start thinking about the vast library space at my school that right now only has, you know, stacks with pretty old books in them? What, what do I do? Yep. Comes back down to just being curious, just like observe. Like, mm. I just love, I'm just like at a point of like my profession where I just love um, trying to just sit and just like watch, sit, watch and like listen, right? Mm. Ask questions. Um, I think questions are just like the highest level of um, learning and it's that inquiry process, right? And and then you have to define who who are your um, who are going to be your primary users, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not about designing for them, but it's about designing with them, right? And so um, this this project was um, I was blessed to be awarded one of the DOE innovation um, grants, and so mm -hmm. that's where it came from. And so. Um, it was all about first starting with my students. And so um, the students made the forms. We had a small um, student design team. And again, back to like that Apple concept, I wanted them to be in charge of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted them to to like be the ones that welcome their their peers, their friends into the space, right? And so if I, I can't put that vision on them, I have to make them again, feel it, um, struggle with it, um, design it you know, created and then follow through with it. Right. So, mm. you know, they, they researched everything from like, what, what do you, what do you, um, you, you like about libraries, you know, what, what's your worst memory, you know, mm. what's, what's your, what's your favorite memory. I think sometimes we have to, we have to really acknowledge the truth, right. Even if the truth and is not so, um, mm. you know, fun and, and happy, but it, it's, it's the reality of the situation. Then how do we design situations to then, um, make it better. Right. And, mm. and they even like research, like font, right. They, they took polls on like, all right, what's, what's the best font for wow. how we're going to make signs. Right. Yeah. So all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just obviously putting in those structures, but then again, creating that, um, flexibility, right. With, and giving them again, that agency to then design around that. And once they feel agency, then they can pass agency on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, 
Oh, that's so that's so cool. I can imagine, you know, if it was pre-COVID, we might be able to, if 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 the resources were there, that we could scare up a couple of buses and go do a quick, you know, empathy is the first process or the first step in design thinking that we could go to Box Jelly, go to Entrepreneur Sandbox, go to Impact Hub and explore and sit and think and ask questions. Um, but you don't, have to be dissuaded from that because of the pandemic you can all of those spaces have websites that allow you to almost do virtual tours of them so anything's possible right if you just if you set your mind to it um yeah and yeah and i just i just add real quick yeah like i think you're right so like the pandemic came and and that plan was kind of axed and so it's about you know one of my class mindsets is being able to be um to pivot and so now the students are just like exploring like you know what does 360 tours of the space look like how can how mm. can they rent um and take learning um outside of the library right learning is lifelong right and so i never wanted it to be just um only when you enter into this space so it actually i'm i'm thankful for the for the pandemic in that way like it it accelerated, it pushed us to think, wait, learning maybe starts here, this is the hub, but it definitely um, doesn't end here. And and how do we find those other opportunities like you were talking about to continue to like share it and get it out there? Right. Awesome. So, hey, listeners, let's take a minute to reintroduce today's guest. Matthew Williams is a digital media teacher at Kealakehe Intermediate School in Kona a Hope Street Hawaii Group Fellow, and our 2019 Hawaii State Teacher of the Year. So Matthew, it's pretty clear that you are super passionate about student competitions, um, and in particular, the Student Television Network event that happens every year in Atlanta. Is that true? Does it, is it always in Atlanta that that happens? Or does it yeah, move no, around? Actually- it moves around. Yeah, it usually oh. goes from East Coast, West Coast, yeah. Okay. So what is the value of these competitions, Matthew? And what, what are the healthiest elements of these competitions? And what was special about our Hawaii kids flying to the East Coast to compete in the STN? Yeah. And, you know, I, I give give credit, I think... Um, you know, all my learning and all my success can always be, um, is attributed to other people and Mm. who got me on this, uh, competition fix would be, you know, Kevin Matsunaga out on Kauai and he has a amazing digital media program and he got me into like, yeah, you got to take your kids out. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not so sure. And, um, you know, the more I got into it, I just, I thought, well, you know what, this is actually another authentic audience, right? This is, um, using and, and helping to coach students around, like, how do you, um, you know, use your stress in a positive way and have it be like that motivating factor that like creates you and strengthens your sense of excellence, right? Because kids are under the gun. They're having a, sometimes it's in hours, particularly in STN, you, you, you're doing it in um, six hours. The kids are having to compete um, and turn in their film. And then, so, you know, their time management, right? That, that's something that's like obviously super real there. Um, their collaboration. It's so easy to um, create with those you um, know and understand well, but then doing it under pressure is a whole nother element, especially when you don't know what the constraints will be, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's that's real life, you know? So the more we can just expose students to the realities of life, but again, give them 
um, places to fail safely. Hmm. Um, I think that just allows them to just be that much more um, successful. I'm a big believer in anticipating um, what's ahead as best as you can. If you can anticipate worst case. So the kids, we practice a lot of just like visualizing, right? I think Mm. visualizing what's best case, what's worst case. And if you can visualize worst case, best case, then everything in between you're going to be ready for. Mm. And that that's huge for an adolescent, right? To build that self-confidence and win or lose, just knowing that they put in the time, um, is just something that I, I really am a big believer in just helping students Mm. understand when you put in the time, it Mm. pays off, um, in a variety of ways. So I wonder if you can just like describe two things for me. So here's the first thing, like while the kids are working on these news stories, like if I were a fly on the wall somewhere, like what does it look and sound and feel like, Matthew? Ooh, yeah. Um, it's, it feels like thousands of teenagers um, (laughs) (laughs) screaming and yelling and unfortunately sometimes um, crying depending on the outcome. Mm. It looks like kids running around when they get their prompt, trying to figure out and fight for um, a space to record, you know, Mm. Um, it, it looks like it it gives you a, a sneak peek at what, um, student success looks like at, at that age and, and Mm. what it can be for them as they get older, seeing them live, um, and execute on the habits of, of mind and heart that, that we as educators believe in and seeing it come to life right before your eyes and them doing it, um, without you essentially, because they now have the confidence and they're trusting each other to make it happen. You know, and and I think that's just like a fulfilling um, and rewarding experience. I think it's stressful for the teachers getting to that point, but there, when you're there, it's all on them. And it's just, uh, it's just so awesome, right? To just see them um, and see just who they are Mm -hmm. and and their best selves um, come out. And then just seeing all those different working parts, the finer details, um, just like on full display as they execute on their plans and and make make uh, make the magic happen. Wow, that's so crazy! And I, you know, you know, Matthew, that my day job is at Apple, um, and I work here at the Alamoana store in Honolulu. And you know, there there are two things at, at Apple that are kind of core values. One is it's a core competency about being able to to deal with ambiguity, and the other is to act intentionally. And it just sounds like this moment where the kids are are working under pressure is an extreme moment of dealing with ambiguity, um, but also working intentionally. It must be wild. Oh yeah. Um, it, it super is. And, and it's this thing, it's like, you don't know what that prompt is, right? So yeah. you, it, it's in that moment of like, okay, you, you put all your plans in together, but then now this random prompt comes out and I've, I've seen the kids and you've always you hear the stories. Right. But, mm. um, but when they're able to break it down, when they're able to isolate, okay, what is it that I do understand? What is it that the strengths of my teammates right here, you know, how much time do I have, right? Assessing resources. Then mm. I think you're, then you're then acting on intentionality. Right. So it's a very, it's a very, um, in-depth process. Um, and, and they do it so quickly. Right. And, mm. and that's the most, I think amazing part for me is like 
it, it becomes, again, that habit. And, and they don't realize how many decisions they're acting on mm. to intentionally create um, and then produce whatever it is that their team um, decided is going to give them the, their best shot. Mm. So Wow, that's so amazing. And so one more thing to describe. So Matthew, if I were a fly on the wall at that moment when the competition winners are announced. I'm imagining, I've seen some video of this, that it's a sort of a big, you know, hotel ballroom or something. What's that like? What, what is that moment like? Cause you've been there and. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's really special for, um, students and teachers and, and parents who go out there from Hawaii, realizing we're in the middle of the Pacific. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're just geographically isolated and, and, um, but little do people know that some of the best digital media, um, mm. programs are, are right here within this state, you know, and it doesn't really matter about location, but I think it really matters again, back to what you were talking about, about intentionality. I think it, when you look at place and what we have to offer and, and mm. the power of story, like we can do that just so well and naturally. And, and then just to hear, um, you know, whether it's a Hawaii team up, um, you know, we're just like chanting, you know, Hawaii and, and we're all just cheering and, and there really isn't like first place, second, third for us as, as Hawaii schools, you know, we're all just wanting to support each other. And, and it's about, again, just like, um, mm. sharing and giving that aloha. And then obviously if, if you're, uh, lucky enough and blessed to have one of your students win, I mean, that was surreal in, in our first year, um, having that happen and, and uh, we won um, first and third place and just hearing hearing the kids' names called. Um, wow, amazing. It's just, yeah, it gives me, you know, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it again because, mm. it, you know, practice and they practice hard. They it's, they not only spend a lot of money, but they they devote their time and they adjust their schedules and, and to see, you know, how far they come to then standing on that stage and, and having their names called and, um, it mm -hmm. just, it just, again, shows like how capable, um, all of our students are, you yeah. know, when we just give them that moment, that time and mm. just show them, um, intrinsically that they can do it. They believe in it, you know, and then now it's just up to them. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. PBS Hawaii aired a beautiful film, a short film, uh, that featured Kevin, um, talking about that idea that when other states winners, you know, win, there's jubilation, let's say within that school, but when a Hawaii team wins, all the Hawaii teams go crazy. Um, and that, that's a yeah. very powerful idea to me. Um, so, so Matthew, um, I want to flip the script a little bit here and talk not about what you care about, but about a student named Kulia who cares about you and is passionate about your teaching and mentoring so much so that she calls you a life changer. So who, who is Kulia and what is important about her story and why did Hawk Media Productions make a film about her, which I watched and was very moved by? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, the, the film was actually made by my good friend, Leah Carey, but it was spotlighting her. Yeah. And, okay. um, yeah. And, you know, I think Kulia is, is a, is a girl like so many of our students that, um, are often just overlooked, you know, and, and not given the time. And I think thankfully she came into my life, um, wasn't in my program and, 
she just had a sheer determination and and just had again that that peak of curiosity to um say hey like i want to i want to be in the broadcast i want to try the program right and and she started off in after school and um you know she just kept on working and and uh, i got her at the end of sixth grade and then seventh and eighth and now she's um in a 10th grader now and she's always just been um special to me because again not just for her situation but just for all kids that i have a responsibility to um make sure i invest and nurture that curiosity in kids and give them my time and 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 effort to personalize what they need you know and and when she comes from a home that um is not always stable mm-hmm. um and and that's the story of so many of our kids we we forget that our classes are more than just grades but they are truly the place for um defining their purpose perhaps right mm-hmm. and i don't ever come into my class thinking that i'm going to make them media stars but i do um work as hard as i can every day to make sure they just have a taste of greatness so that students like her realize like i can do this and um i'm not going to be able to get rid of all of her challenges and barriers and um she's going to have to go through a lot of stuff without me mm-hmm. but she at least knew when spending time with me that um i know what it's like to 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 be successful and i was able to do it on my own right and and i was able to help other people and i've been given leadership opportunities um i've been given resources i've been given time and so i know what that's like hmm like i think i want that right and and how do you make them hungry for that right mm-hmm. and and so it's like this healthy addiction to like again chasing greatness to be successful and and to most more most importantly be significant right and and so that's for me um why you know she she taught me that early on mm-hmm. on on how do i duplicate that and replicate that for all kids Did she go on to Kealakehe High School? Yeah, she's at the high school right now. Mm-hmm. So just just for a second Matthew, let's imagine that she's, you know, 8th grade, finishing 8th grade and is about to move on to 9th grade at Kealakehe High School and you're, you know, you're just standing and chatting with a a couple of of high school teachers and they say, well, you know, who is she? Like what are her skills, her habits, her dispositions? Like what who, who you know, what is she like? What are her strengths? What does she bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a, she's a super she's a super caring um young lady. She she's always looking out for others. She's she's the oldest in her family, so she naturally um has to uh you know, assume that role. Um she's she's someone who um has a has a determination a strong determination and tenacity to just never give up. Mm-hmm. Um she she uh has an ambition level that I think uh was what started our relationship. Um and and I think for her being being a a woman and you know I think that she you know like is sometimes again like I said like overlooked, you know, unfortunately in in society and so right. I think it was her opportunity to just like redefine 
um, who she was going to be and who she wants to be. Mm. Um, and I think that was just something that I really just admire in her. Mm. Um, Mm. so yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super awesome. I remember this moment, Matthew, um, I think, you know, Ted Dintersmith had come to Hawaii for one of his many visits and PBS Hawaii, Leslie Wilcox wanted to do a long story short with him. So we took him down to the studio and as we were getting ready to do the interview and I was kind of standing back in the studio, um, one of my former students came up to me and said, hey, you know, there's a, there's a young woman here who's actually part of the production team who graduated from Waipahu High School. Um, and she was there when Ted, you know, was on campus the very first time he came to Hawaii. And I just had one of these moments like, wow, this is where it gets very real when they're out in the world and they bring their character and their skills, their habits, their dispositions, their technical skills, their know-how, mm-hmm. and then they bring it and, and, you know, bring it to bear on the real world. And that was a magic, very, very magic moment for me. And I'm imagining you've had quite a few magic moments like that, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, back to her and, you know, she she was blessed enough to compete and um, she has a natural eye for the finer details. Um, oh, it's so easy wow. to just, it's so easy to just go through um, storytelling and, and video editing. And, you know, I, I can teach you that, you know, all that kind of stuff and, you know, how the program works. But when you have a natural eye for a feeling of, of story and, and what it means and how do you bring out emotion and asking questions and all those different types of things. I mean, that was something that, um, I picked up early on with her and, and again, it's something that all the kids, they bring their own unique, like you just said, like unique, um, dispositions, technical skill sets, right. And, and then, and it's, um, up to us as educators to then create that right environment, um, that space hmm. for them to feel that they belong. And then we just continue to nurture it and, and they then see it for themselves, right? I think that's so important. They have to see it for themselves so that they can then latch onto it and then have the intrinsic motivation to want to get better at it and then get better, get better at it to then give back and share it with others. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can I can just imagine uh, Matthew if she were listening to this, how proud she would feel when she hears you say that 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 she has an eye for the finer details. That's a ringing endorsement of a specific skill, uh, which is fantastic. You know, that's just a, that's a very cool thing. So, hey, everybody, stay with us. After this short break, we will come back with more questions for Matthew Williams. This is Guy Kawasaki. If you want to learn how to be a remarkable person, please check out my podcast, Remarkable People. I interview people like Roy Yamaguchi, Margaret Atwood, Jane Goodall, Stephen Wolfram, Stephen Pinker, Ariana Huffington, and Steve Wozniak. The point of the podcast is to help you become a little bit more remarkable. To learn more, go to remarkablepeople.com. Thank you. Hawaii's business people and professionals want to support our public high school students across the state, like me, Law Yagovich, a senior at Kuku High School. And Hawaii's teachers and other educators want classroom speakers, curriculum advice, contest judges, mentors, and other support from businesses and nonprofits. 
The Climb High Bridge is Hawaii Department of Education's official platform to connect the two communities. It's like Match.com, specifically designed to connect businesses and schools. Learn more by sending an email to info at climbhigh.org. That's spelled C-L-I-M-B-H-I dot org. Hi, friends. Toy Hirschman here from the EntreEd Talk podcast. I am super excited to support the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast hosted by none other than the amazing Josh Rapoon. And I also want to give a big shout out to all of the incredible educators in Hawaii who are doing unreal things in the entrepreneurship and design-based thinking spaces. I hope you all subscribe and listen to What School Could Be in Hawaii. And also, hey, why not check out the EntreEd Talk podcast where we interview stellar entrepreneurial educators and entrepreneurs from across the country and globe. I cannot wait to connect with you. My name is Josh Rapoon, and this is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. Today, we are with Matthew Williams, our 2019 Hawaii State Teacher of the Year and the digital media teacher at Kealakehe Intermediate in Kona, on Hawaii Island. So Matthew, you care about a lot and you are passionate about innovation and education, which is a broad term. You also understand something Ted Dintersmith has said for years, which is small steps lead to big change. And so you and fellow educator, now a vice principal, Bill Chen, are 4.0 Wave 6 Tiny Fellows for 2019-2020. So what is the Tiny Fellows program and what is its process and, and what is the concept you're working on and where are you now with it in the context of the pandemic? Yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, feel free to follow up um, as I if I miss anything. But um, so 4.0 is a you know how there's accelerators. Yep. Um, they like to call themselves a decelerator, and the reason why they decelerate is, as I mentioned um, earlier, is that so many times we are so quick um, to dis to design for our users or for our community. And I think especially when we're dealing with students um, and and schools, which is so complex in a, in a beautiful way, it requires us decelerating to think about equity um, and human-centered design, right? And how can we design with um, our users in mind? And the 4.0 Fellowship is really intentional about that. Um, besides, obviously, the coaching, um, there's um, some funding. But more importantly, like what Bill and I have seen is like it's not so much the funding that matters, but it's more, again, about that idea of intentionality mm -hmm. and what are we bringing to our students and our community um, that allows them to th truly thrive in the ways that's that's needed and um we we decided on an idea of um so i talked so much about it on curio curiosity and um we we named our venture be curious um mm. and be curious is about um targeting our most marginalized students that being um our native hawaiian and and Micronesian students, um, ages 11 to 16. 
and really helping them um, to nurture their curiosity. And essentially, with that curiosity, how do we help them to strengthen their belonging to then solve the the greatest challenges within our community? Mm. And so we believe that if we can provide resources for them, um, we started out originally with a space. Um, if we can just give them, you know, like like a gym, right, where you uh, go in and you're right. gonna you're gonna get to pick the muscle group, um, but no, you're gonna get to pick what you want to learn, and then um, take it and and connect with community partners um, to then go and solve things, um, mm -hmm. then we feel that you're going to be able to contribute and be successful and, and ultimately, um, have, have those skills needed to be college career and community ready. Right. Mm -hmm. So nothing, nothing, um, you know, like huge. And I, and I think that's sometimes maybe the, the, the piece that's misunderstood with innovation, right. It has to be brand new, but right. to me, innovation and, and what 4.0 has been huge on is again, decelerating it to be like, wait, 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 like what, what is this idea you have? Like, are you sure that it works? Right. So like testing it and we, we had some pilot projects and pop-ups that we did. And like, is this truly what the community needs? How, how are they interacting with it? Right. And like, what are the kids saying? How do they feel about it? Like what's their joy factor around it? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's been a powerful process that we've like really, um, enjoyed throughout this, the fellowship 4.0. Mm -hmm. I, Matthew, I love the metaphor of the muscle group that you choose to work, you know, to work on. I, I swim, I bike, I run, and I do those specifically because there are muscle groups that I, as, as I get older, that I want to, you know, tune and make strong. And I, I love that idea that kids are intentionally thinking about like, what do I need to strengthen? What muscle group do I need to strengthen to make myself more balanced? Can you, can you share a little bit more about how that metaphor came to be part of this? Yeah, I think, um, we have found, um, we have found success and it's a lot more fun when students get to choose what they do. I mean, who likes to get told what to do, right? right. Mm -hmm. And so what we find is that we each bring a certain level of strengths um, and also a certain level of like um, sadness and, and pain. And, and so with that, like we have to let students have autonomy and choice in, in the things that they wanna learn and, and change. Um, because too often, um, what we see, especially when we talk about our, our, um, most marginalized populations is that it's, it's not like that. The reality of it, they, they, they have their core classes and then they have another class, um, that they have because, um, you know, if you speak another language, so then you're put in a, mm -hmm. you know, uh, EL program, which, you know, I'm, I'm pursuing my, um, PhD in like the reading and research, it's, I like to call them and what I'm reading is like emerging bilinguals, right? Like, right. why do we look at their language as, you know, something that's a deficit um, instead of something that's like an asset and like elevate that, right? And, mm -hmm. and so we're realizing that kids don't get that choice, especially when they come in, um, you know, looking or, or sounding or speaking differently. Right. And, and it was something that just wasn't sitting with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that gym idea was like, 
just like a gym, you're not told what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you're coached, right? Like there's different levels and like you can get a personal coach and they're going to assess you and, um, on, on the things that you need improvement on. Right. But at the end of the day, it's about you putting in the work and you getting to choose. And, and so that's something that we wanted to make sure that, um, what Mm -hmm. rang true with our venture. That's marvelous. Um, so, so Matthew, it, it's pretty clear that you care deeply about student voice. That's been very clear throughout this whole conversation. Um, back in 2016, you wrote a wonderful opinion piece for Honolulu Civil Beat about the value of student voice, and which is both a complicated subject and a very simple idea, really. Um, you talked about a young woman who went partly under your guidance and coaching from an outlier, that's a term that you used, to a young person making a difference and showing all the signs of a successful navigator of life. So talk to us about what prompted you to write that piece for Civil Beat and what you have learned in the past four years since then about the role students must play or could play in our our modern approach to teaching and learning. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, it was um, focused on um, ESSA and the policy and, yes. and, mm-hmm. and thinking about, um, what our role was going to be to inform it and, mm-hmm. and making sure that we, um, you know, yeah. think again about that idea about like, not for, but with, and, mm-hmm. um, as I've continued to go through this work, um, at the end of the day, um, our, our success, our individual success is a collective success. And, and that only happens when, um, we give students, families, um, a seat at the table, um, and give them that opportunity to, um, really share what they feel. But I think to take it one step further, if you don't mind me um, adding, it's like, now where I am, it's like, okay, we can have student voice, but like we need student action. I think too many times we can have hear students, but like, are we allowing them to act on their voice? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, we, we need to then give that next step and that level of vulnerability of saying, okay, this is what students believe. This is what teachers believe. This is what school leaders believe. How are we all going to like collectively um, hold one another accountable to make sure that it's right and and that we go ahead and execute on those things that we believe to be true. Um, and so I think with that student voice comes that student piece of like that agency and that action mm. um, to then go about and, and like do it so that they can internalize and, and feel like what what it is that they, they want to have happen. And then also recognize that it's not going to always turn out. Right. So like, how do we then adjust and then say, you know what, that was a mistake. I think that reflection piece is so important or it was the right thing. So let's keep doing the right thing, Hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So follow up question to that. So now four years later, um, our department of education is developing, it's actually pretty far along the process of developing, um, what we're calling the five promises, um, to our kids. And I'm like hugely encouraged by all of this. I love the idea of making promises to kids. My, my question is, what, what is a promise plan that doesn't have students' voice in it? And what is the, how does the promise plan change when students are brought into the process of creation? 
And and by the way, you know, the promises around equity, around innovation, around belonging, all of those kinds of things. So how does, what happens to a plan like that when, when we actually have kids act on being part of that process? Well, I think language matters. And so when we start to call things promises, like that means we are going to hold true and make them happen, right? So like on the, just like the premise of like that word, like if you make a promise to a student, your, your own child, right? Or even as, a, as an adult and it's broken, um, it doesn't feel good, right? And trust is broken. And so mm. um, by the department moving to this language of like promise, what that then means in my mind and what it should mean in all of our, our minds is that there is intentionality around everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And we are constantly measuring the actions and behaviors of what we do to then fulfill those promises. And those perf- And in order to do that, it requires understanding what it is that our students need and who they are and making sure that we deliver those promises in an equitable way that meets the needs of all of our students and their families. Um, And I think that movement um, is hard. It's a big level, you know, of movement, obviously, when you're talking systems, but um, it brought down from systems to then what does it look like for me as a classroom teacher? You know, when you look at school design and, and when you look at equity and when you look at innovation, it's, it's, from, it's from student to teacher to principal, right? To the, the, the district level complex and everyone up, right? And so again, it created that um, level um, of accountability necessary to making sure that the voice and actions of our students were heard in everything that we do. Wow, I can imagine if I were back in middle school, uh, low those many decades ago, and I had been part of a process where we were developing a promise plan that what really, what I would have wanted, what I would have injected into the conversation would be, let's promise that this process will always be collaborative, that I will be included And that promise alone would have really meant a lot to me back then because I felt very excluded from education. I just went to school and then went home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's super, super interesting. So, um, Matthew, again, about your passion for student voice, you shared with me a spark.adobe.com webpage titled Their Brand Matters. Um, and I, I swear to you, Matthew, I was like a child given a Dr. Doolittle, you know, book or a set of Dr. Doolittle books. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, the student voice geek that I am. I was transported into a wonderful world, a wonderland of amazing things. I spent a lot of time surfing it and, and watching all the videos. So I know it might be difficult to explain this to a radio audience, but let's give it a try. So what was this compendium of student work all about? And and what are your views about student displays or exhibitions of learning? Yeah, so that was inspired um, through one of my Teacher of the Year programs. Um, they asked us to um, put together a session that we could share to all the different state teachers of the year. and. Um, with my experience and just learning from my students and working with adolescents, um, I thought about branding. And, you know, I think oftentimes we take teacher talk and we don't do enough to 
translate it down to student level. Again, it's all about making them feel something. If we can feel something, it's something you'll never forget. And when you take a moment to just go out and talk to middle school students, um, uh, whether it's right or wrong, they're all about a certain image. And it's about you know, what they're wearing, um, how many likes they have, um, who they follow, who shouts them out, who tags them. And that's a level of branding. Mm. And you, you, you fast forward to, um, you know, as adults, it, it doesn't change. Um, right. We're all, we're all trying to figure out who we are and, mm-hmm. and, um, communicate a certain brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully it's the right brand, a brand that, you know, treats people the right way and, and, um, is collaborative and all those different types of things. And so I just thought, Hey, like, let's talk the language of these adolescents. And so I'm really a big believer, like, yes, it's your online brand and realize like what you put out there is a representation of who you are, but it's also your offline brand, right? Like, how are you going to make sure that people without a doubt, when they say your name, when they see a picture of you, when they see your work, um, it's, it's a simple question of like, wow, I want to get to know, like, mm-hmm. how do I get to know that person more? Like, what's their story, right? And, and how do we, you know, again, intentionally um, create moments of elevating our brand in the right way to make sure that um, we as learners and leaders um, truly are, are moving the forward and just like improving um, our community. Mm-hmm. And so whenever students give me work, Um, I just asked them, are you proud of this? Like, Mm -hmm. would you want me to post this, you know? And, and if it's a, like, uh, I don't know, then I'm like, well, then I'm not going to, like, I don't even look at it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. show me, show me something that you're proud of. Right. Like it's pretty simple. And and that just shows like, right. Are they creating for me? Are they creating for self and others, you know? And oftentimes they're just there to just check a box and, and don't get me wrong. Like we've all been guilty of that. But I think again, it's creating those right habits, those asking them the questions to then, um, internalize, Mm -hmm. you know, what it is that they're producing Mm -hmm. and then what that means to their overall brand. Um, because when you think, you know, Nike, you think just do it. You Mm. think athletes, right? You think of, I think of like LeBron James, I think, right. So what is it going to mean? Yeah. Kobe Bryant. When, so when I think of like Kulia, when I think of whoever it is, Aiden Mm. or all these other students that I've had, you know, what am I going to think about them? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, that branding piece to me is huge. Wow, that's so cool. You know, Matthew, I was teaching at La Pietra Hawaii School for Girls when the first iPhone appeared. Um, and I, I got one and I, I already had a pretty extensive partnership with Apple and um, having one-to-one devices in my classroom laptops. But I remember really clearly I used to study, I used to grade papers um, at a Starbucks near La Pietra and I had this first iPhone and I discovered what a selfie was. So I could flip the camera around and I took this photo and I'm holding up a cup of coffee and there's a kind of painting behind me at Starbucks and I realized that I really loved that photo. And so I, I started attaching it to every assignment that I gave to my students. And then it went up on my teacher website. And then anything Mm. that I did, that photo was always there. And I Mm. think what I was doing instinctually was kind of branding myself as a teacher. And over the years, the kids came to understand that when that photo was there, that meant something. Um, And I I love that idea. Yeah, that's just, um, and I think, yeah, go ahead. 
No, it's funny because, like, you know, the kids, uh, I'll say these, you know, sayings like shooting for greatness or separation and the preparation, da 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 da. And then later on, you hear the kids like recite these things of what I've been saying, right? But they Mm -hmm. understand like who I am and it, and then they decide, like, oh, this is something I want to be a part of and what does it mean for me? So I totally, you know, I totally um, can. Uh, resonate with you and, and what you're, yeah, mm. definitely. So yeah. about that teacher brand too. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that teachers feel proud of the work that they're doing, just like you described and that they're going to put it out there and that kids are going to understand what that means. It's, it's almost like a marketing process. I'm branding myself as a teacher and the kids will come to me because they know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very cool. So one thing that, you know, and we've talked about this already extensively today is that you're passionate about the idea that kids do amazing things when they're given the opportunity to do authentic work, in quotes, um, for real clients. So we would be remiss, Matthew, if we did not talk about uh, Hawk Media Productions and the role your students played in the first season of this podcast last year. So how did Hawk Media come to be? The program and tell us what it was like mm-hmm. as your kids, you know, swung into action and began the post-production process for this series last year. Like if, if, if we had, if all my listeners, you know, were flies on the wall, what would we have seen as that process got underway and, and really started rolling? Yeah. Um, so what, Hawk Media Productions, maybe I think in its fifth year, I think, and I was formerly a special education teacher and um, principal at the time asked me to um, take the lead in in helping to shape our, you know, technology. So I moved into that line and she said um, at the time, hey, Matthew, just so you know, you're going to have to do our, our broadcasts. And I was like, I had sworn prior to that, like, I am never doing the morning broadcast. Like, <laughs> right. just for like live TV, like, oh my goodness, middle school, like, heck no. Um, but she's like, no, if, if you could just please do that, that'd be great. I was like, fine, just, that's it. You know, I'll just do that little broadcast. And, um, but something that's, you know, in my DNA. And I think I get this from like my dad and, and just my, my overall, like my family, just like this idea of just like, don't just talk about something, but just like, you know, have your work, um, show for itself. And so I knew like, all right, if, if I don't want to be known back to branding about how it is, then I'm going to like reset this and, and like, what does it look like when students are running it? And, and so, yeah, the rest is history. We just continue to just like, um, you know, build it. And it's been fun. It's been, it's been a roller coaster, just all the different types of things and opportunities that we've done together, the students and I and our community partners. Um, and then, yeah, so we we're on a, I think we we're, I can't remember what workshop we were doing, but we were in Ala Moana and mm-hmm. we, uh, went to the Apple store. Like I said, uh, can't, can't go to Ala Moana without stopping by the Apple store. And, and there you were, you know, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, yeah, feel free to you, you can well, kind we, of tell your part. Yeah, we we stepped to the side. As soon as I saw yeah. you and your team come through the door, I had already been in the process of standing up this podcast. And when you guys came mm-hmm. in the door, I was like, oh my God, the gods are shining down on this moment. And we all went to the side where there was a big 27-inch iMac. And I pulled up the website that we were developing, Ryan Ozawa and I were developing, and I showed it to you and actually made a pitch to the kids um, to do the post-production work. And I 
remember the look in their eyes. They were just, it, their eyes got big. Um, and you guys said, well, okay, we'll think about it. But I could already feel the energy that was coming out of that moment. Um, and then we just started working out the details of how it would happen, how I would, you know, create the episodes and how we would ship the files to your team and what they would do with the files. It was a marvelous client service process. And um, it, it really, it really was very special. And you know what, Matthew, here's something really cool. Um, last year, one of your students served as the project post-production manager for this podcast. Her her name is May Kanata, and she has now moved on to high school. So I actually want to play a clip, which you and I collaborated on, um, in which May talks about herself and her experience. So let's play the clip now. So as the production's manager, I got to make sure that each episode was carefully constructed and we got to also go to Oahu and film and listen to when teachers were interviewed and stu um, and school leaders were interviewed as well. It was just a really cool experience to be there and create these episodes that everybody is listening to now. I think one thing, my favorite thing, there was so many things that I enjoyed, but my favorite thing was probably just being able to meet the school leaders and the teachers and the production team as well, Uncle Josh, Ryan Ozawa, my friend Marlon Utrera, Mr. Williams, of course. I just got to meet so many people and it was a really valuable experience to me because I got to talk with them about school, their teaching methods, and yeah, it was really fun. Well, for challenges, there were quite a few things, but they weren't as big a deal as communication based off of like our differences in schedule with Uncle Josh and I. And it was a bit tough because I had school from the morning until the afternoon and Uncle Josh had his work. But eventually we sorted it out with our schedules and I think it worked out really well. We had a planned time for when episodes would be finished and when he would review them. We had documents of his edits, what I can fix, what he liked, stuff like that. So yeah. We had a challenge of time management or like talking at the same time and having an open place in our schedules, but we got through and we managed that. But through being the podcast manager, I learned a lot about time management and I'm still working on that, but I've gained so many skills that have helped me to get or helped me get to where I am today. Um, we use the app Slack, actually. It's a team or like a job kind of organization app. And we talked on there through different channels. And it was a really good app that helped us manage our time as a team. Also, I think organization was a big role in being the student productions manager because I had to keep track of all the files and the hard drive and the audio and the sounds and stuff like that. But I eventually got the hang of it, and organization just was very fun to me afterwards. Another thing, I think self, like to be self-directed was really important because creating a podcast, you can't just sit in front of your computer and wait for it to magically appear, you know? You have to actually work at it and learn, and I used Adobe um, Audition. And I had no idea how to use that um, 
before starting this role, but afterwards I got the hang of it. Of course, I asked for help, but I think it's a really cool software that I would have never used if I wasn't the student production manager. As a listener and as a student listening to all these episodes, I learned a very valuable lesson of how much these teachers and school leaders care about the students and the staff at these schools. I think students and others may take teachers or staff, school staff for granted because they're just there and they help you and you just do your stuff, mind your own business. But once you get to also know these teachers and know these school leaders, it's amazing how many stories they have to tell and how much they care for their students, how much they do behind like classroom doors. They do so much more than just help you with your homework or assign this test. But yeah, it was just very valuable knowing and getting to meet these teachers, also listening to what they have to say and what they've gained from students as well. I would just like to thank the team that I have worked with, Uncle Josh, Ryan Ozawa, the tech guy, and Marlon Utrera, but especially Mr. Williams, because he got me into this experience and this opportunity. I would have never been able to do this if I haven't met Mr. Williams. So thank you all for helping me through this journey. So Matthew, talk to us about May Kanata, about her skills, her habits, her dispositions, what it is that she brings to the table. Yeah. May is special in that she's just, um, she gives the energy and other people life. Um, and her, her strong sense of just sharing joy is just really contagious. Um, whether it's joy within learning, whether it's in joy and just like having fun and kicking back in the studio. And so she really is that, that energizer. Um, she, she brings a level of um, positivity to the group. And I think specific to um, managing uh, the post-production um, it was a, you know, a weekly process mm-hmm. and she's very skilled in, in the details, um, but also good at like still having fun while doing it, you know? And I think that's super important, especially at their age, you don't ever want to like, you know, overkill something. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just make sure you have the fun doing it. And, and she, she did, she does a great job at just balancing that. She's, you know, she's also just great at just like, um, continually strengthening her sense of excellence. You know, Mm. she's, she's never about status quo. Um, status quo is not, you know, it's not in her DNA. It's not what, um, she's all about. And, um, I think that was something, um, fun to be around, but also it was also just like inspiring. And I learned a lot from it, you know, and, and just her ability to, Mm. um, you know, like, see from peer to peer coaching, you know, whether it was working, um, with Marlon or or she would work with, um, AJ or some of the other students on different elements of it, Mm -hmm. you know, I could see how she would communicate what excellence looks like. Right. Cause it's one thing to expect it, but then how you then support it, how do you then develop it is another thing. And I think, um, it was a great opportunity for me to just kind of stand back and like, 
look at like what does peer-to-peer um, strengthening of excellence looks like mm-hmm. um, in all different facets of the the post-production process. Um, and then again, she's just like a, her mom. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but her mom in Japan um, was like a re- radio DJ. Um, wow, I didn't know this. So, yeah, so it was cool just seeing her, you know, May just like, you know, take obviously she's just great on the mic and just natural um, inflections and just the energy she brings through the microphone. But then just to see her, you know, live out that, you know, mm. from what her mom did. I mean, it was just it was just a fun thing. And just to see all that come come to life. So yeah, thanks for again giving us that opportunity. Yeah, you know Matthew, I I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at work at Apple, and we get these two fifteen minute breaks. And I remember going outside to sit in my usual sunny spot, and we had created a text message thread for the team, including um, I think it was Marlon and you and me and and May and AJ. And I remember totally like it was yesterday, the first time she texted me, it was like so respectable, respectful, but so energetic. And she was like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, UJ, uh, Uncle Josh, right? Hey, UJ, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the first draft is ready. You need to look here, here, and here and do this. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, I saluted her right there sitting on my little <laughs> spot. And it was like, as soon as I got to my lunch break, it was like, I'm on it. I was just like, it was, it was really wonderful. And that's very much a, a, a leadership quality is the ability to communicate effectively, you know, the the um, intentions and the desires of the moment. And that was just the beginning. We ended up using Slack. Um, Hawaii mm-hmm. Slack is our, is our space. And that was amazing to work with the kids that way. And I'm sure that will also be a long-term um, benefit to them that they've worked in a professional platform like that. So anyway, that was very, very Absolutely. cool. Very cool. So Matthew, we've we've actually come down to the end here. This is amazing. It feels like it's you know been only ten minutes. Um, so you are our 2019 Hawaii Teacher of the Year, and you have a goal of helping students live their best lives. You've already said this already, and you said in a very special film made about all 16 2019 Teacher of the Year nominees that, quote, we have to design with our users in mind. So the way that you said this, Matthew, it was it was as if the idea came from very, very deep within you, as if it is at the core of your philosophy of education. So what did you mean when you say, or what do you mean when you say, we have to design with our users in mind? Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, specific to the award, um, I was blessed to be mentored, loved, pushed, um, challenged by so many other people. And, and that starting with my students and that took, um, that award is collective success. And I think if we want, um, success and impact in our outcomes, it takes, um, that collective collaboration, but also this idea of like active listening, this idea of like, are we going to sit down and really meet people where they are and truly look past um, maybe the differences that we may see, but also um, look to uncover the insights um, that maybe not have been been seen before or heard before, right? And that takes 
again, that active presence, that active mind of that intentionality of doing that with whomever we're collaborating with. And I get to do it every day with students. And um, a lot of times it's not necessarily uh, where what I want to hear, but I know, and it's always turned out this way, that if I look those, um, those realities and face them straight on, and I do it with them and, and my community, um, I can be rest assured like every day that I go to work, that I do this work, that I um, have fun doing this work, that it's for the right reasons. Um, it may not be clear like where we're necessarily going, but again, we put our best efforts and that intentionality of being inclusive to making sure that um, all voices were heard and all voices then have, like I said earlier, have an opportunity to then be a part of, of the design process of bringing it to life. Mm. And, and then it becomes something that we can look back on and say, wow, we did this together. And when we need to go back and redesign, um, we've, we've created this, um, movement and, and have this momentum of saying like, let's do it again, but it's not just me now, it's going to be everyone. Right. Mm. And everyone's part of it. And, um, it, it then, it just continues to grow. Right. And, and it gets contagious and, and we all are then moving past just like status quo and, and in isolation, but, um, Mm. doing things, um, collaboratively for, Mm. for our community. That's awesome. Matthew, let's, let's end on a super fun note as our teacher of the year in 2019, you got to travel around the country. What were some of the most fun events, the wild and crazy events of, of your time, you know, when was there a moment where you, you stepped back and and said, dang, like, how did I end up here? That's a really good question. (laughs) I think, how did I, yeah, every time, you know, when I was getting on those, that crazy, that crazy flying schedule, you know, um, I will say that as another thing of like, travel stopping for this pandemic is like, I can just be here a lot more and present. Um, but no, I think, um, Google was probably a highlight of mine. Um, I've, I've made some awesome connections out there, um, and getting, getting ready or, um, being able to see the Google headquarters and just see like how they learn, how they, um, create, um, what does space look like there for them? Mm. Um, another highlight, um, for me was, um, going to the TED studio, I think, and, and just seeing, um, a TED talk recorded and, and making some, um, connections out there. I think one of the best highlights was probably the national championship game. And I got to, um, my mom was out there and another, um, close friend of mine, a mentor, um, David Nahawina, he, he came out there and, and to just be, um, yeah, I mean, the whole time we were treat, treated like rock stars, but to see my family mm. and have, again, the people who made this all possible treated like rock stars, that was special for me, you mm. know? And um, I've always wanted to be on a field, um, you know, and just to, to hear our national anthem and, and just to see the players down there and all that kind of stuff was just super, super mm. exciting. And um, just having candid conversations with some of the best teachers, you mm. know? Um, and having that FaceTime and, and really 
you know, Rodney Robinson and, and his year of just like, what does equity mean? I mean, he pushed me to really think about it and redefine it and, and really look at the hard realities that I needed to face around it. Um, and so that was definitely um, super, super powerful for me that, that year. Wow, that's fantastic, Matthew. So Matthew Williams, um, truly, it is such an honor for to, to call you a friend and a colleague, and and I am hugely hugely appreciative of the work that your Hawk Media program did for our podcast last season, and I'm just very glad that we have an opportunity um, to continue to work together, and I'm I'm super stoked that we had this chance to talk today. So I I wish you and your family good health and safety and um, best of luck with the rest of this school year. Thanks for having me, Josh. It was good uh, being in the hot seat this time. (laughs) And uh, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, take care. You as well. And now it's time for a listener review. This one comes from Apple Byron and is titled Inspiring Stories. Apple Byron writes, I've turned off a lot of news media, TV shows, podcasts, etc., because of all the bad things happening in the world today. This podcast is one of the very few shows that gives me hope for the future in these uncertain times. It makes my work commute a lot more enjoyable as well. Mahalo, Apple Byron. I promise to keep bringing you stories that will give you hope and inspiration during our terrible pandemic and civil unrest. If you like this series, please give us a rating and review at your favorite podcast store. The What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast is brought to you by Josh Rapoon Productions. Your host is me, Josh Rapoon. My editor, show consultant, and sound engineer is Daniel Galad at DG Sound Creations. Daniel, an amazing musician, created the original theme music heard in these episodes. To learn more about Daniel or to hire him for your next music gig, see our show notes where you will find his email address and Facebook URL. This series is funded by education change agent Ted Dintersmith, executive producer of the acclaimed documentary film Most Likely to Succeed and author of the bestseller What School Could Be. Send your feedback to mltsinhawaii at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mltsinhawaii. Finally, please like our Most Likely to Succeed in Hawaii Facebook page and YouTube channel. Stay safe, wear your masks, practice physical distancing, and please bring kindness and compassion into the world. See you soon.